Okay, we've got some notices. So, um, Sue, where are you? Next Saturday, ladies' brunch. Please, ladies, get your names on the, the list at the back there afterwards or sign on online. We, we, we really feel that we can probably only fit about 150 of you in, so please get your names, get, get inviting friends and family along, but get your names on that list, please, as soon as possible. Um, and also, gentlemen, could we please have some help on the day to serve the lovely ladies? There's another list up there, if you would be so kind. Um, and then Friday afternoon to set up, um, 2 o'clock, anybody, please turn up and help us to put the tables out and, and the tablecloths and set them all, make it look beautiful. Okay, thanks very much. Okay, superb. Um, just to let you know, we're trying to update the church directory as well, the list at the moment, and I'm looking for Phil. Phil, 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 Phil. Oh, he's gone downstairs, has he? I think over there at the back, there should be a current directory, and if you know your details have changed or you'd like to be added to the directory, please do just scribble on the changes to the directory. That would be really helpful. If it's not there, could you just email us? Because uh, inevitably, we, we produce one every year, and then someone says, oh, that's got all the wrong details for me in there. So, well, this is your opportunity to get the right details in there. So please email the church office or... Um, uh, or uh, make the adjustments over there. Last notice, Sharon. Hi, very quickly, um, the food bank. Thank you so much for everybody who puts in regularly um, into the food bank. It goes out weekly to feed 40 families in the area. But um, it's, it's come to our attention, really, that there's a bigger need than that. And I find increasingly that on a Tuesday, I'm giving out um, food to... Um, single people, older people are coming in now on a Tuesday cafe, Tuesday morning and um, in need, some of them. So I raid the food bank that goes, you know, that should go out to the, the families. But um, I'm thinking of maybe having a store here at the church, really, just a, a small um, uh, store of more appropriate food for single elderly people is probably what we're serving at the moment so if you could think of small tins of meat um, tins of fruit um, non-perishables would be great and if you just put them in the food bank box at the back and then we can sort through and I can just keep a store going here that would be really helpful thank you let's welcome Malcolm come on good morning I am on Lovely to see you. I feel like I'm in a bucket. Do I sound like that? That's not my favourite place, being in a bucket. Um, before Christmas and some time leading up to Christmas, um, I was feeling a disconnect with Kim. We have a great marriage, by the way. And, um, but I... I was feeling something of a disconnect, and uh, it was troubling me. I spoke to Kim about it, and um, so uh, we booked ourselves onto a marriage course. It's called uh, Love After Marriage, and uh, I've been following this course for about three years. And when I went online to look, it transpired there was one coming up in about five or six weeks' time in Brighton, and I thought, right, we're on that. Did, did you want to say anything about it? Um, <laughs> um, yeah, we, we, to reiterate, we have a great marriage. 
Um, but no, but sometimes you have to bless. <laughs> sometimes you have to bless what's good so that it's even better. That's... However, I was going to say, oh. <laughs> Father God wants to give us more because that's his nature. He always has more for us. And so um, the, this, is, this course was Love After Marriage, but its, it's overall title is um, Nothing Hidden Ministries. And right from day one, really, we, we've, we're very open with one another. We have a great marriage, but Father God highlighted things in our marriage. And he's brought a deeper level of intimacy, connection, love, joy Amen. it's been amazing actually Amen. really, yeah, really amazing good. and the good news is as well that this inner ministry inner no nothing hidden ministries have a singles um course as well and so i just you know it's not just for marriage if you're single don't feel left out because uh, you know we love god loves everybody and he has more Father God wants to bless us. We're all his children, and good daddies want to give good things to their children. So we have been so blessed, and we want to give it out to everybody. We want to yeah. impart that, what oh, we've been given. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Um, just wave at me if you were here last week. Listen to Simon Elliott, a lot of you. I thought he was really great, Simon Elliott. I've not heard him before, and I thought he was magnificent. And he, you, if you remember, he was talking about fellowship and devotion to one another and to God and um, the need for that to become a culture within us. And you remember he talked about dying to self and he gave various examples, which I, which I won't repeat. Some of us um, have done a course just before Christmas and just after Christmas, finished just after Christmas, called God is Good by Bill Johnson. And one of the comments in the last week was, gifts are cheap and maturity is expensive. It's a great saying. We don't get to choose our gifts. God chooses our gifts. You can't say, I want to do that. And I'm going after that. Because if that's not your gift, you fall flat on your face very quickly. And I love to see people operating in their gifts. I thought it was magnificent Naomi leading us in worship today. Just flowing in her gifting. Dave and Kate in support with John. I love to see Adam in his gifting. I think he's magnificent. I love the gifting in my wife. I wished I could be like her sometimes, and she makes me laugh, and she's funny. She seems to have the right words too often. <laughs> Annoyingly often, I think, God, please let me be right just once. <laughs> Each of us have got a gift, and it's, it's just wonderful to see people operating in their giftings. But maturity is expensive, and what that means is, is that it's costly to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I've learned, I, I wish this wasn't true, and I'm sure it's, it doesn't have to be as long for you as it's been for me. I'm, I'm approaching 
60, and um, think, God, why has it taken me so long to get to this point? And creation has been helpful to me. When I look at an acorn, it doesn't produce an oak tree overnight. It has all the DNA of the oak tree in it, but it takes many years to become a mature, righteous oak. And I think that's true over our lives. Sometimes maturity as a Christian can seem expensive. Growing in maturity means me being responsible for myself. We live in a world that's full of people that all know their rights and don't accept any responsibility. But that's not so in the church. It's not meant to be like that. God's called us to be responsible for ourselves before him. And sometimes that means making difficult choices. So we're going to look at one aspect of growing in maturity today. And it's, called, um, it's up there called Disciples Forgive. Forgiveness. And I believe this is going to be a breakthrough day for some of you. It's costly. Let's pray together. Put your hand on your hearts if you wouldn't mind. Lord, we just thank you that your presence is here. We give permission to you to speak to us, Lord. I bless your spirits to be prominent above your bodies and your souls to receive all that Father God has for you today. I bless your ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. I bless your eyes to see through Jesus' eyes. Amen. Right. Um, Our starting point, next slide please Ruben, our starting point is God himself. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. That is absolutely remarkable, as we've just been singing about. It is a wonderful, wonderful truth that if you are in Christ, your sins are forgiven. And if you're not in Christ, I want to say to you today, don't leave this building, please, without asking, how do I get to know this Jesus? Because it's really easy. I remember when I became a Christian, I, somebody gave me some literature to read and I went back into my little bedroom which was not much bigger than my single bed and I lay on my bed and I prayed for Jesus to come into my life and to forgive me from all my sins and it was like weights falling off my shoulders heavy weights just falling off and I knew 
I wasn't able to articulate it then, but I knew the presence of God in my little bedroom. And I wept as he came, as he promised to enter into my life. And he's been there from that day forward. The forgiveness of sins. And that, that word, he has delivered us from the power of darkness. Just think about that. Being in a, a dark place where there is no light, I couldn't find my way, didn't know how to encounter God, and then all of a sudden, I've asked him to come in, and he's there, and the power of the Son of God himself and his light fills my life. And that word conveyed means, conveyed us into another kingdom. It means like, like when another king comes in to occupy one nation and takes all the people away, like we spoke about recently when the king of Babylon came to Israel and took them away into another kingdom. That's the same word. He conveyed me and he conveyed us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of the son of his love, in whom we have redemption. That means the price is paid fully, everything, through his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. It's a wonderful story of the gospel. This is some verses from Luke. We read these again recently. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, for you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. I'm going to suggest that there are three reasons. There may be more. But there are three reasons why we should forgive as disciples. And the first one is, is this. We're called to be like Jesus. When you give your life to the Lord... This process starts in your life, this little acorn, to become like Jesus. Do you see that in verse 35? Love your enemies, do good, lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be, will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. In other words, as you do the things that Jesus do, you become like him. When you forgive, we forgive because he forgave. When you judge not, it's because he doesn't judge us 
for our sins as we deserve. We get the benefits that he deserved. And he, he gets the punishment that we deserved. It's an amazing exchange. Jesus said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And why are we called to be like Jesus? By the way, Paul puts it this way in Romans 8, 29. He says, he, he, that's God, he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. That is his plan. If you're wondering about what God's plan is for you, it's to be conformed into the image of his son. That's not your gifting. Don't equate that with your gifting. This is God's plan for you to be like Jesus. And why is that? Because he has reconciled us who have believed into the presence of God by this amazing exchange, this act of grace we get forgiven from our sins and we are able to come directly into the presence of Almighty God himself. And it says we have been reconciled with him. And having been reconciled with him, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. You can read that for yourselves in 2 Corinthians 5. And it's a wonderful thing actually, to share with other people this love of Jesus Christ. It says that you are the fragrance of God wherever you go, to those that believe and those that don't believe. This is the truth. You are the fragrance of God. Jesus breathed on his disciples in the upper room before the day of Pentecost. And he said to them, I send you to preach the forgiveness of sins and people's sins will be forgiven. But if you don't proclaim the forgiveness of their sins, they will remain guilty. He wasn't saying to his disciples, you get a choice about whether to proclaim forgiveness, whether some should be forgiven or not. No. His heart is that everyone should hear the good news of Jesus Christ. That there is forgiveness in him. There is reconciliation with the Father through Jesus. He was saying that, he was saying that when they remain guilty, he said, if you don't tell them, where will they go with their, where will they go with their sin? If they, Paul puts it another way, if you don't, if you don't speak out the good news of Jesus Christ, how will they hear the amazing news that there is a God in heaven that loves them and wants to forgive them and draw close to them? We sing that song, Everyone Needs a Savior. The kindness of a Savior. Everyone needs compassion. It's true. We all need compassion. So what is forgiveness? It's interesting. In the Old Testament, we don't see much examples of one individual forgiving another individual. 
David forgives Saul. Joseph forgives his brothers. But mostly, it's about God is the only person that has the power to forgive. It's God that does the forgiving. So when Jesus came and he said, Son, your sins are forgiven, the Pharisees are saying, Whoa! Stop right there. Only God can do that. And that's true, in a sense, that was Jesus. But he's the model that we're called to forgive those that hurt us and offend us. And in the New Testament, Jesus raises the bar. Forgiveness is defined as doing someone a favor, showing kindness unconditionally, giving freely, granting unforgiveness, granting forgiveness, forgiving freely. The, the word is from the same root from the word grace, charis, means to love unconditionally, an act in which one person releases another from an offense. Refusing to enact the penalty due to him or her and refusing that offense to affect their relationship. We read in Matthew, not going to read all this, but we read in Matthew, Peter went to Jesus and he said, Jesus, he's obviously grappling with this whole issue of forgiveness. How often must I forgive? Seven times? If someone offends me, seven times. Jesus said, I tell you not seven times, but 70 times seven. And of course, all of us do the calculation. What, 490 times? No. No. We carry on forgiving. And he gives the example where the master is, is, is the Lord. Someone comes along who owes him 10,000 talents, an indescribably large debt. And he comes and says, come and repay me or I'm going to throw you into prison. And he says, master, master, I will repay you. Forgive me, forgive me. Please, I will do everything that is necessary. Over time, I will repay you. And the master has compassion. But this is the Lord has compassion and mercy. And he says, I forgive you. Wonderfully sets him free from his debt. And the one who is forgiven goes along. And he sees a servant of his who owes him a hundred denarii. A minuscule debt. Repay me that debt. If you don't repay me the debt, you will go to prison until you do. You and your children will be bound until you pay me the very last denario. And you know the story that the servants went and told their master who was aggrieved because he'd set him free from a, such a massive debt. And he says these words. The master called him. He said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant 
just as I had pity on you. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers that, until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. So the second reason that we are to forgive is that it is a commandment from God. It's not a feeling... It's not whether I feel like I might do this today. Oh, I don't feel like it, so therefore, no, I won't. It's not, yeah, but you've hurt me. You've caused me great pain, and I'm withholding my forgiveness. No. The scriptures say that if you're a disciple, if we, you and I, were called to forgive. We're going to watch a small video and I'll come back. On November 5th, 2003, all doubt of Ridgeway's guilt was erased. He pleaded guilty to the murders of 48 women. He made a deal to cooperate with the prosecution to provide more information on his victims and the whereabouts of their remains. In doing so, he avoided a trial and possible death penalty. Mr. Ridgway, how do you plead to the charge of aggravated murder in the first degree as charged in count one for the death of Wendy Lee Caulfield? Guilty. How do you plead to the charge of aggravated murder in the first degree as charged in count two? Guilty. 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 It's like he didn't have any remorse at all for what he had done. You know, he killed so many people, he didn't remember who they were, what they looked like. I just couldn't believe that somebody could kill all those people and not remember them. Neither could the angry relatives of his victims, who were invited to speak in court when Ridgway was sentenced to life without parole on December 18, 2003. You had said your memory, when it comes to all of the women you took, was gone. Our memory is not. In your words, you said that she didn't mean anything to you, but she meant everything to us. She was a mother, she was a wife, she was a sister, and we miss her. Gary Ridgway sat there stone-faced as victims' relatives damned him and mocked him. He's an animal. I wish for him to have a lawn. Suffering, cruel death. He's gonna go to hell and that's where he belongs. But then the emotionless facade finally cracked when the father of one of his victims appeared to surprise him with a dose of human kindness. Mr. Ridgway, um, there are people here that hate you. I'm not one of them. You've, you've made it difficult to live up to what I believe, and it is what God says to do, and that's to forgive. You are forgiven, sir.
very powerful, isn't it? I just just want to say, um, I, I can't imagine... I can't imagine my, any one of our sons being murdered. And uh, I honor the relationships of, of those, um, of those rela- relations that had not got to that place where they could forgive. They're hurting, wounding people. It wasn't God's plan that any of them should die. which was the one that looked like Jesus he made a choice to say to say that you've made my life difficult is a bit of an understatement I need to move on. There are significant personal consequences if we refuse to forgive. Mother Teresa said that if you want to learn to love, you need to learn how to forgive. Dr. Martin Luther King, I just love this man. He says, love is the only force that can transform an enemy into a friend. I want to say to you, don't let the spirit of bitterness take root in your hearts. It consumes you from the inside out and will take over the whole of your life. And like the picture in the scripture that we just read from Matthew, it's like being sent to prison to be let loose for the torturers. And that is not God's plan for any of us. We're going to look at a second video of a lady that struggled with forgiveness. June 9th of 1997, it was a Monday, um, between 4 and 5 o'clock in the afternoon, brought up early that day, and I used to love going down to the, the bluffs over the Mississippi River. Decided to sunbathe, laying on a towel, and you know when you had your eyes closed and it's a really sunny day, you first open them, it takes your eyes a while to adjust. All I could see in front of me as my eyes slowly adjusted was the figure of a man. Uh, His shadow over the top of me. He'd been stalking me. Um, He had a mask on. That was the only thing that that he was wearing. I mean, the next thing I knew, he was on top of me. And I screamed, and he wasn't expecting that. He tried to run, and I'm not sure why to this day, but I decided to chase him. I turned into that girl that runs up the stairs instead of out the front door. 
in those movies where you're like, go out the front door. That's when I realized I could die. I turned and ran and I went in the opposite direction. I like to say that I survived that day, but that day was the beginning of a slow, long death. I think that I, I wanted to be living, but I knew that I wasn't. It was kind of this thing that my family didn't talk about. You know, six months later, I was called in for a lineup, and I mean, it was something that didn't necessarily go away right away, but it wasn't discussed. And uh, because of my lack of support system and family, um, I was left to fend for myself. And I had a lot of anger and bitterness. Um, and I was suicidal. And as the drinking got worse to cope or the drugs got worse, the more desperately I wanted to be free of all of that. And I got to the point where I realized I didn't want to die. I just didn't want to hurt anymore. I was ready to be free and I made a decision to forgive, not just forgiving him, but forgiving my parents, and even better, forgiving myself. For a lot of things. And when I chose to let go of that pain and that bitterness and that anger and that frustration, I got something far greater in return. You can't buy, you can't box. Um, freedom. God restores and he redeems and in a very tangible way blotted out that day with something so much greater. Last year, on June 10th, I gave birth to my twin boys, Bennett and Avery, on a Monday as well, between four and five in the afternoon, so almost exactly 17 years later. I don't think the timing was an accident. That date and that day and that hour, they used to own me, not anymore. Something else owns me now two little people and I love it but I also love what God has created something so beautiful out of something so ugly it just blows me away on a daily basis I love it Let me ask you a question. Is there someone that you need to forgive? It's time to let go. For her, it wasn't just forgiving the man that raped her. It was forgiving her parents. They didn't protect her or nurture her and even forgiving herself. Time to let go 
of anger and thoughts of revenge. That doesn't mean that the person that's committed the wrong gets away with everything, as if nothing ever happened. But we trust God with that person. If we don't forgive, it's like saying, I don't trust you, God. So we, tr we trust God to deal with the perpetrator. Jesus says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And we relinqu relinquish control. We speak out forgiveness. Speak it out. I forgive you for. And I release you from my judgment. I release you into the love of God. Bless. The Bible calls us to bless and not to curse. To pray for them. We just read in that scripture, love your enemies. And we stop talking about them negatively. Passing judgment. Just want to say a word about boundaries. I wish I knew about boundaries in my life before I did. This is how I see it in a nutshell. If someone's hurt me, and they carry on hurting me, they carry on, they persist hurting me, I put up a boundary with a gate in it. I choose to forgive them. And they're free to come into my space when I open the gate. But if they carry on hurting me, I'll keep the gate closed. But so far as it depends upon me, I will keep my love onto that person and keep forgiving them. A boundary is not a wall. Like the Berlin Wall, where you can either go in, you can't go in or go out. It's not like that. It's a fence with a gate in it. And sometimes boundaries are appropriate. Let's just pray together. I want you to ask this question in your hearts. Put your hand on your hearts if you'd like to. Say, Jesus, who do I need to forgive? Is there anyone I need to forgive? For some of you, this will be just raging in your heart right now. You don't need to go searching around if no one comes to mind. Today's today. You make a choice to let go of the pain and hurt that's been caused through the offense. I'd like to ask you, if God's speaking to you, this is not to embarrass anybody. I just want to, so that you can make a public declaration to yourself, I'm going to deal with this matter, either privately or going to the person. If God's been speaking to you 
about forgiving someone, could you stand where you are, please? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. Lord, I just release over these dear ones your grace, Father. Your grace and healing and wholeness. And I thank you, Lord, that the measure we receive is the measure we get back. That we can never outgive you or your love or your forgiveness. Thank you. Please sit down. Let's all, let's all stand, actually. Let's all stand. So, Father, we thank you for this amazing we thank you for this amazing message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we just tell you that we want to be like Jesus. We want to be like Jesus and take this message of reconciliation to a hurting world that desperately needs to know the compassion and love of a saviour. And release your healing power on all those that have chosen to forgive. Right now, cleanse them, Lord, with the fresh rains of your presence. Come right now, Holy Spirit. Release your freshness, a new fragrance as the old goes and the new place comes. From this moment forward, their future is not going to be determined by their past. We thank you, Lord, that for each and every one of us, you give us a new hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to talk to me about that or you'd like some prayer at the end, I'd love to pray with you. If you want to know about Jesus, I'd love to tell you how you can find him. And we're going to retire to, for a cup of tea and coffee, which will be served at the back of the church. God bless, church. Have a great week.